You're listening to a Bible lesson taught in the youth group at Trinity Baptist Church. We hope this Bible lesson will help and encourage you as you seek to live for the Lord. Excited about it. It's funny, like, I guess it's sad when we look at our society and our families. A couple weeks ago, I was out, for whatever common reasons it may be, but I was standing in line at the ATP store early in the morning waiting for a new phone to come out so that I could purchase it. And as I was standing in that line, uh, I was listening to, there was a teenage girl behind me in line, and then there was a row of dads. And I was listening to these guys, these dads, go through and pretty much, sadly, talk about how worthless their children were. And they all had teen kids, and they were telling this teenage girl behind me about like, oh man, I wish I didn't have kids. Man, kids are so expensive. They just went, and I mean, just be literally Young people in front of this girl, like she was laughing about it and kind of like going along with it. But I'm like, no wonder we have such struggle with young people. You're standing there in line and you're hearing how terrible it is, like from dads, about how terrible it is to have a child and how terrible it is to have a teenage girl. They were like not the teenage girl, the teenage guy, and it was just like, wow, like this is the this is the thing of our family today. That that is how we feel, and I know that we know from the Bible. We go back to our Bible text. The answer is, well, children are inheritance from the Lord, and I understand that sometimes they don't feel like it, but they are. And as we look at behind the figures, I I do consider it an opportunity to have everybody sitting in the same spot together, looking at the same things, trying to get on the same page about parenting. So I'm gonna jump back in the behind the figure this morning. We're gonna be top tackling the authority and the wall of protection. And you know that Carrie Schmidt, I want you to, if you can get the regular book, I'll go find and or read through it if you have it. It's an awesome book. But I'm going to read for you real quick. He says the lies of what teenager parents believe. So he said, this is the lie to teenagers. Authority is for kids. I'm 18 now. I'm a legal adult. I can finally do what I want. Nobody can say anything about it. He goes on. Authority is holding me down, keeping me from the fun, the friends, and the thrill of real freedom. That's what I want. Freedom. I can't wait to get away from my home. I'm sick of people telling me what to do all of my life. I'm tired of having things crammed down my throat. Finally, I'm an adult and I can make my own choices without somebody breathing down my neck. I've waited a long time for this kind of freedom from authority. This is the lie that we get told to parents that sometimes parents believe. Well, all teenagers are rebellious. It's normal. And I just have to learn to put up with it. After all, I was rebellious too when I was a teenager. In fact, my team is better than I was. Who am I to try to be an authority? I was far worse than this. I have no right to discipline my team. I'm tired of fighting. I don't have the will or the energy to get into this. I'm just going to give in and let him have his way. It's not worth fighting over. And then there's the most common lie of all. Well, maybe if I put too much word of God in them or I force them to go to church, that I will push them away. Now, if we look at the lies that parents and teenagers believe about authority, this morning we're just going to spend a little time on both things. This is not a, we're going to jump on the parents, and then we're going to jump on the teens, and we're, this is just, as a whole, we look at authority and find out why it's so important in our lives. So let's jump into it. The wall of protection. Number one, God's design of authority is universal. But as we look at what here, God's design of authority is universal. Even though sometimes teenagers, we may believe it, but they're not the only ones under authority. It is universal. First Corinthians 11, 1 to 3 said this, Be followers of me, even as I, as I also am of Christ. And I pray to you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. 
But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of, every, and head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Let's go to another way, and we'll talk about this in a second. A, understand that everyone lives under authority. Everyone lives under authority. Adults don't have to have this type of drill, but sometimes, as I think young people would forget, that everyone's under authority. Say, you know what, I can't wait to grow up and get a job when you go to work. Yeah, there's authority there. There to meet you to make sure you clock in on time, to make sure those fries you're turning, or you're doing a great job at it. There's authority in every step of life. You say, okay, after I get a job, I'm going to go get an apartment. All right, there's a landlord. This is, what, this is what you don't do in this apartment. This is what you can do in this apartment. This is what you're going to pay me to live in this apartment. There's authority everywhere. You say, okay, after I do that, I'm going to go buy my own car. You're going to sign a paper that says how you're going to pay for that car. You're going to go on the street, and there's going to be a policeman that's going to tell you how you're going to drive that car. So authority is in everything. There is no, I'm going to grow out of authority one day. It's no matter what I do, there's authority involved. So, under B, this is the good part. Accept authority as a God-given part of life. We accept authority as a God-given part of life. Now, we're going to go to the practical aspect of this in just a second. But I think this is key for us to get. Authority is a God-given part of life. If we look through the Word of God, Jesus Christ himself was under authority. He knew Jesus Christ was God. Even though he was all God, he was under the authority of his Father. Multiple times in the Gospels, you'll find it says that Jesus says, I, I am here to do the will of my Father. So if Jesus was under authority and understood authority, how much more should we? And especially imperfect authority. Can you imagine Jesus having being perfect with imperfect parents, imperfect teachers, imperfect everything in life? I had to deal with that, but he was under authority. When we look at it, authority is God-given. It's not a negative thing. We have this thing in our culture now. Question authority. Well, just you, get, you just got to have everything. You got to just make sure because authority is probably wrong. You got to make sure that no one's taking advantage of you. No one's getting over on you. But no, authority is given by God. Romans 13, the powers that be are ordained of God. God put parents in your life. God put People in my life, when, past, when I walk into Pastor Bernie, says, Pastor Bernie, this is what I want to happen. God has put him in my life to be my authority when it comes to being a youth pastor training at Baptist Church. For me to walk away and say, yes, can't wait, Pastor Chris. That's not. It brings ease on my life to know when I walk out, hey, if I do this and this and this, I keep going and I'm doing my part of the job. Pastor Bernie says, hey, this is the way I want to see things happen. And he doesn't do it in the air way. This is the way I like to see things happen. Now, if I do those things, one day I can see before God and say, God, best of my ability, Lord willing, I've done what I've been asked to do in my ministry. So, accept authority as a God-given part of life. Number two, earthly authority, and shut off, earthly authority will never be perfect. Earthly authority will never be perfect. Perfect. Let's read our verses here, because this is another, this is a long passage. I know if you have really great eyes, you can read it. But if you don't, what will it see your book or in the Bible there? And saw I, David, from that day forward, it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the midst of the house, 
And David played with his hands at other time. There was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast a javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with him and was apart from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. The Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. For all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. So, authority can be imperfect. Here's where we always get to hang up with authority. Whether it be as an adult with a boss, whether it be as a kid with parents, well, my authority, if they did this, then I would do this. If, if my parents, if, then I would. But authority is imperfect. Let's go. Human authority can be forfeited. Human authority can be forfeited. There are situations in life where authority may give up their right, or through bad choices or what, to give up authority. So we want to we want to get through that first because I know after all there's always the what ifs. Well, what if such and such. What if the moon aligns the sun and such and such happens? Do I have to obey authority? There are situations where people forfeit authority. There's times when elected leaders do wrong things and get removed from the office, their office. There are times when, sad to say, a parent will leave a family and lose their influence in that family because of decisions they have made. So there is times where authority forfeits the ability to lead. But letter B... God commands to honor earthly authority in spite of imperfection. So here's where we got earthly authority. We're all under. If you're here this morning and you are a teenager, and I say your parents are imperfect, your authority is imperfect, you can shake your head and say, yes, but don't do it because your parents are in this room. That's fine. Not well. But if you do, you say, yeah, my... If you're a wife, you can probably look and say, you know what? Human authority, if my husband is not perfect, you can smile and nod your head and elbow your husband or whatever. If you're a husband, you cannot shake your head because your authority is God. And so if God is perfect authority, so if you're not doing what God tells you, then you have nothing to shake your head or smile about. You just got to uh, buckle up and do what you're supposed to do. But as we look at it, human authority is imperfect. I told the team this a couple of times in here. When I was growing up, my biggest problem with authority was... And Phil McBride's not here, so I can say this, was policemen. I hated policemen at this point. Because as soon as I got my driver's license, it seemed like every policeman in Morgan North Carolina and Newport, North Carolina, was after me. And I wasn't doing anything. When I first got my license, my dad used to always um, complain at me because I, I did not have the same conviction now, but then I only believed to go the speed limit exactly. So if the speed limit was 55, I went 55, and I would sit around cruising. I was the letter of the law. And my, there'd be cars lined up behind my dad, like, just get on down the road. No, Dad. He went to 55, and I, I still don't have that same conviction. Maybe I didn't get right with the Lord to go back. But, <laughs> but I would go 45 and, and like that. But I would always get pulled over. I've gotten pulled over so many times that I've lost track. I get pulled over, the policeman comes, trying to light the car. Hey, what you got going on tonight? I'm just trying to head to someone's go, All right, well, Around the car, left the door, and walks back to the car. All the time. And I remember it made me so mad. When me and my brother was um, Anton, 10 years younger than me. And so 
eight, nine, he's seven or eight, nine, 17, 18 years old, and he's going everywhere with me. And I remember uh, the first time I got pulled over with him in the car. And so I, he was sitting beside me, and the policeman walks up to the car, you know, actually, and Anton flips off the seatbelt. First thing, as soon as the guy and turns around and sits both feet in the seat, standing up looking at the policeman. Sit down, sit down, you're gonna give me a ticket. And then the, he's like looking out, he's like, there's a policeman, there's a policeman. It's all the way to the door, and then the policeman holds the window down, and he's like, oh, what you doing over there, son? Yeah, you got your seatbelt on? Like, yes, sir, please, sir. He had his seatbelt on, he had it. But I remember, that's gonna be destructive. I, I remember <laughs> that growing up, that that was my biggest thing of authority. Like, when it came to police, I did not stand. And it finally hit me one day as my brother, walked up to me, I mean, we were right down the road one time, there was a policeman pulling someone over, and I said these words, man, stupid policeman, always like, won't we just get off people's back? I remember we were driving down the road, farther down the road, and my brother repeated, and he's like seven years old, he was like, yeah, those dumb policemen start leaving people alone, doing people their real job, and hit me, I'm like, wow, this seven-year-old brother believes every single policeman it's stupid because of my influence. You know what? There are, I have been, I do understand that authority, there are policemen that are imperfect. But can I tell you that if someone's holding me at gunpoint or I'm having a problem, there are some that I'm going to call and they're going to come to my rescue and I'm going to be glad to see a policeman pull up into my yard to help me out. Yeah, there is imperfect authority. There are people that do wrong things in authority. Aaron Burton, as a youth pastor, does a lot of wrong things in authority. I can think of lots of things. When we're in Florida, there's lists that they have of ideas that I had that probably weren't the best idea to do with teenagers. And you know what? I, I make mistakes with authority. Your parents make mistakes. And you know what, teenagers? We make mistakes as we live. And our parents have to put up with that. So we have to understand that, yes, authority, documents, honor, and authority, in spite of imperfection. Let's go on. Authority is given for our protection, not our persecution. Authority is given for our protection, not for our persecution. Ezekiel 22, 20 30 says this, And our prophets have dogged them with untempered mortar, saying vanity and dividing lies into them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, whom the Lord hath not spoken. People of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and affected the poor and needy, yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy that I found none. Here in Ezekiel, we see the pinnacle here of wrong authority. People that say they have a word from God, and they have no word from God. They're just talking, just, just saying things. And Ezekiel says, hey, God looked for a man to stand in the gap. So let's look at it. A, authority is a hedge of protection. Even in his imperfections, God is ordained authority, and authority is a hedge of protection. Every time I read a hedge of protection, I know this is a side note, it has nothing to do with this, but if you've ever heard Tim Hawkins' uh, thing on a hedge of protection, he's like, the devil doesn't have a, something to cut down shrubbery, <laughs> that we have to pray for a hedge, a hedge of protection, can we pray for a wall or something? Not just a hedge, but every time I see the word hedge of protection, that's what I think of. But authority is a hedge of protection. When we look at, we did a long series just a little while ago on Nehemiah. Pastor Ferguson went chapter by chapter. And if you read through the book of Nehemiah, the people that were trying to build a wall 
were excited about a wall, the only people that did not want the wall built was the enemy. And we look in our families, this word parents and teens both, God has put us here to maintain a hedge, and then you know that this is here for my protection. Fabian, right now, will walk up to a life socket and try to fit all the fingers he can into that life socket. Now, as a father trying to build the hedge of protection, I don't say, <coughs> he'll learn. Let him do it once. He'll learn. I don't say that. I go over and I say, Tavian, stop. And if he doesn't stop, I will get him and I smack his hand. Yes, I said that. I smack his hand because I do not want my son to stick all three fingers into a, a light socket to learn that. Because God has put me there in the protection. God has put parents in your life, teenagers, to protect you. Somehow we think that because we think that because we're no longer infants that we no longer need protection. I've got this. Your parents say, hey, you need to do this. Why? Because God has put a head protection around you. The same thing goes for our parents. We have to make sure that we are, we are on top of it when it comes to the hedge. Like, if we have our, the, our spiritual hedges in our walls where we've made rules and we don't enforce, we say, hey, don't do that, and we just keep saying, don't do that, don't do that, and our teenagers go, okay, yeah. She's going to say it one more time, and then she's going to let me do it. Then what good is that head? So the head is there for our protection. As you look at the Nehemiah and said, everybody in Israel is tired of people coming through and pillaging Israel. Let's build a wall to protect us. It protects us from the enemy. Letter B. Inside the hedge is safety. Inside the hedge is safety. Now this is where we're going to have to as Romans 12 would say, renew our minds and change the way we think about things. Authority is put there for my protection, for my safety. It's totally against what our culture teaches about authority. Whether it be from the parent level or the teen level, pretty much authority holds us down. Authority is to keep us back. Authority is something we have to get over to be able to accomplish anything. We always hear great minds. Well, so-and-so didn't go to high school, and they're this great person. Bill Gates did this, and he's a millionaire. And we always want to give out the people who jumped over a wall of protection and say, you know what, they were such a great success. See, authority is something to overcome. No, authority on my protection. My mom and dad say, hey, don't watch this on television. Everybody else, everybody else knows that show. Everybody listens to that. Everybody does it. Why? Because God has put in your life a wall of protection. This is why it's key for us as parents that we cannot be lazy and we cannot be just letting things go and just say, you know what? You're going to have to learn at some point. We're the wall. And you have to look at that wall and say, this is safety. So the next time your mom and dad, somebody say, don't do this. Reprogram my brain. This is safety. This is my mom and dad trying to protect me from the enemy. We'll go back to our thing about questioning authority. Well, Pastor Bernard, what if they are wrong? I can guarantee you, for the most part, I may ask you for every parent, but I can say that for the most part, if you come humbly to your parents and ask, Mom and Dad, how is this for my safety? 
I don't know of a mom and dad trying to walk with the Lord who would say, none of your business. Get out of here. Don't play outside, kid. I don't think anybody would say that. They would say, let me tell you why. Because when I was a teenager, because such and such, and I'll give you the reason why this is here for your protection. But we have to reprogram everything our culture today. Because if you watch television, it's the exact opposite. Television said the exact opposite to me. That my parents are stupid, and I have to, one day I will overcome my parents, and I will become the person that I need to be. No, that is not the case. The protection that I've got is from God. As a parent, I have to be vigilant. I have to, even when it looks like I am bad. When Tavian looks at me and starts crying because I have slapped his hand, because he's about to stick his hand in the wall socket, and he looks at me with that sad, those big eyes, and that we call it the triangle in our house, because he makes this weird like face with his neck with his mouth. And he looks at me, and he looks at me like, Dad, what are you doing? I don't want to, I didn't really didn't want to have to get off the couch and come and slap your hand, man. This is not that I really do this because I really hate you, it's because I love you enough to say, don't do that. And you know what? I can sit on the couch all day and say, take it, no. Take it, no. Until you read the newspaper that your pastor's son died because he stuck his finger in it. And because I didn't feel like getting off the couch to go slap my son's hand. We have to be vigilant about the wall of protection. Literacy. This is the second thing. Outside the hedge is the enemy. Outside the hedge is the enemy. Now, this is another thing that we have to be totally redoing our mind about again. Because our culture says outside authority is freedom. The little, the little thing, the grass green on the other side. It's an old school saying. If I can just get beyond there's freedom. No, the enemy is on the outside. Ask Nehemiah and all these people that worked with Nehemiah. If you went to them and you said, Hey, why are you guys building a wall? Not one of us, not one of them would have said, but we're building a wall because Nehemiah ultimately wants to get master plan and get us all inside the wall, build the wall up, put a gate on the front, and then shut the door so none of us can get out. They'd say, the reason we're building the wall is because the enemy is outside and is trying to get in. And as parents, we have to see that. that Every part of our life, the devil is actively trying to destroy the life of our teenager. The, the devil is not trying in their lives to make a fun, make a joke out of our young people. He is not. It's not like the devil is like, sometimes pastors say that. The devil's kind of sitting back and laughing at our young people. His goal is not that. His goal is to ruin them, to destroy them. That's why the Bible calls him the destroyer. Because he desires to ruin our family. And we have to look at that and say, you know what? I'm putting up a hedge. I'm saying, hey, you don't do this. You don't use yourself one at this time. You don't put you set up the gates and say, you know what? I'm doing this because outside of this is the enemy. And as a young person, we have to understand everything that happens outside of that authority is the enemy. We can use the umbrella picture. When I walk in the rain, if I have an umbrella and I walk under my umbrella, as long as I see underneath the umbrella, Lord willing, unless it's raining like sometimes it does around here where it's something sideways and it's like bouncing off the ground and coming up to the umbrella, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be fine. Same thing happens with authority. I have to just start thinking. Everything that comes outside of this authority that my parents have given me, everything that happens outside of it is going to hurt me. The enemy is there. My parents are looking out for me to try to make sure that my life counts for God. That means something. If you have a parent that's willing to set up a rule, willing to set up a boundary, then praise the Lord for it. Because I can tell you, 
I know of lots of them who don't care. They don't care if their kids look at garbage over there. They don't care if their kids watch garbage. Yeah, I know it's kids. And I have to I had to change the setting I didn't know. But I don't care if my kids watch what's happening with Pastor Dublin. <laughs> but I don't care what's going on. But when we look at our lives, we have to understand that there is an enemy. Safety is found in the hedge. Enemy is outside. But whatever it is that my parents say no, or my parents say, hey, I'm going to put a boundary about what you're doing here for my safety. Reprogram the mind. Reprogram the mind. Hey, if they say, I don't know where you're growing up, the big thing with our family was, my mom, if she heard a commercial, if she heard a commercial and we were sitting there, if she heard of a, a commercial with playing music, when she walked by, we had to turn the TV on. And I remember that was a stupid thing, because we would be watching shows that are fine. Like, Mom, there's nothing wrong with the show. But you were in there listening to that commercial and had garbage music turn the whole TV. And so you know what that made me and my brothers do? When a commercial came on, we saw her mom walking from, we were diving for the remote. We were fighting over it. Get to you, quick, jump. We're like brothers, tripping over brothers, trying to get to the remote so we can mute that music. Why? Because my mom put a head protection about us in that area. You know what? I don't struggle with that. I, I don't, there's not, there's not like things in my life where I hear certain kind of music and I think, you know what? Oh, man, everybody, it doesn't. Because my mom was really big on the head about that. And so when we look at it, it is there's inside the head is safety, outside the head is the enemy. Letter D. Parents are our teenagers' greatest spiritual defense. This is for everybody. And I, and I started to understand it, not, I guess I should probably understood it when I was 21 even more than I do now. But I'm starting to understand this more and more as I get older that there is nothing I can do as a youth pastor that can ultimately change a kid's life outside of their parents' help. Like, I can't. But my wife, that I'm, I tell all the time, but I would rather have a bad kid. Parents that desire for them to be right than to have the best kid whose parents are there because ultimately, kids are going to go the direction that they have the most influence. There is no area of influence I can have more than a parent can have. I can call you on the phone, I can email you, I can upload cool pictures to Instagram or whatever, but you know what? Ultimately, I do not have the influence of a parent. When a parent decides to use that influence to protect their young people from the devil and put that hedge about them, that is the greatest influence they can have. Hands down. There's nobody outside of this room. For, for Tavian and Shiloh, I am their influence. What they learn about Jesus Christ and God and who God is and how they ought to live to come through me and my wife. I pray God, I have a great wife, and my wife fights hard, put up kinds of protection in some areas that I have not even seen. Because we try to understand that we're both the biggest line of defense. And we have to get this when we look at authority. Authority, and we're going to say over is not a bad thing. Authority is a beautiful thing. But in our culture, we kill authority. You look at how many posts there are a day about how bad a job our president's doing. Come on, Facebook. <laughs> Barack Obama. Uh, someone so shared Barack Obama. Uh, how terribly he's doing. But can I tell you that in Romans 13, when Paul wrote Romans chapter 13, he had to deal with a lot more problems than Obamacare. 
Like, not trying to be rude about it, but I think he had a little more serious issue. Not saying that we don't want the issues. I'm not trying to say that at all. What I'm trying to say is that authority is guiding the thing. Whether we agree with it all the time, whether it's a perfect authority, I cannot bash authority all the time and then expect that someone's going to obey me as authority. If I, if I, always, if I come into this youth room and I bash Pastor Ferguson's authority over me all the time, I cannot expect that you guys are going to follow me and doing what I ask. Why? Because I'm bashing authority. So we have to be ready to understand that authority is a good thing. Number four, and then we'll be wrapping up here. Authority is a protective gift from God. And that's where now we're really talking. Not only authority a good thing, it's a gift. Wow. Good marketing about authority here. Yes, Ecclesiastes 10, he that diggeth the pit shall fall into it, and whoso breaketh an hedge, a servant shall bind it. My brother just got bit by a snake. And so uh, at college, I got a call. My brother even calls me. He says, <coughs> Have you talked to your brother? No, I haven't talked to my brother. Have you talked to Anton? No, oh, man, I haven't talked to Anton. What's going on? So you haven't talked to mom either? No, I haven't talked to mom or Anton. What's going on, man? You haven't talked to mom or Anton yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I haven't. Just tell me what's going on. Anton got bit by a snake. And his legs and things, they're rushing to the hospital. Like, oh, my goodness. Of course, like, snakes are like my nemesis. Like, that's my kryptonite there. I hate it. can be a big worm, but I'm going <laughs> I hate snakes. And so when they look at we read that first, Ecclesiastes 10 8, you talk about who's so brave with the head, the shoulder shall bite him. That he, what Solomon's trying to say is, hey, you go outside the wall of protection, this protection is given you to help you. So we go through it, we go, letter A, spiritual authority carries the burden of spiritual battle. Spiritual authority carries the burden of spiritual battle. The reason that authority is a gift is because God has put people in your life to go ahead of you in front of the battle. As we, if we almost, in your mind, envision the old school way of fighting. That I don't understand whoever came up with, but like what you see in the good old revolutionary war when everybody's lined up straight and then like you take two steps and that old road just falls down <laughs> and the next road. Like I, I feel bad for those people who gave their lives like that, but I don't understand who the person first and says, I'm going to go hide in the tree. And I'm going to pick them off one. I got to understand who didn't think of that one first. But if we look at that, and you look at your life as a young person, you're walking, and all those people in front of you that are spiritual authority are fighting the battle for you. So you know what you need to be doing? You need to be cheering mom and dad on. Fight the battle. Because I don't want one of those bullets to get back to me. Go forward. And what's the spiritual authority? They fight the battle. There are things that your parents do, hopefully that they are praying for you to fight the spiritual battle that you don't even have to worry about. You walk around the house and saying, there's nothing need. I don't have nothing need. And your parents are out working every day trying to fight the battle so that you can have food in the government. But we don't see that. We just see, there ain't nothing need around here. I'm hungry. <laughs> but there's somebody, why? Because there's authority going for you trying to fight that battle for you. I don't think that anybody, the same thing in Lord willing in the youth group. You guys come to me and say, Pastor Bird, why aren't we? Or why don't we? You know what? I appreciate when everybody comes and says, why don't we? Win? But you know what? Some of the things that you say, I sometimes do, play here and act like I've never thought of before, to be honest. But then I, I go for it and say, you know what? It's popped in my mind. I'm praying through it, trying to work through it, see how I can make it work properly. But that's what the joy of spiritual authority is. You don't have to come into YouTube and think, what is going to happen to this? I have to play this. No. Authority has. Things are already going ahead of you. You get those things. And that is a gift. That is a good thing. So just picture yourself 
in the front of the spiritual war, walking forward, and the bullets flying at you, you're going to say, you know what? I'll be glad to be fourth or fifth in line. I'm okay with that. And that's what a spiritual authority will do. So, number two. I mean, letter B. Engaging. Oh, yeah. Engaging in a spiritual battle is an act of fiery love. Engaging in spiritual victory is an act of fiery love. So when we look at spiritual, it takes real love, real desire for someone to be able to fight the battle for you and to help you protect you. When I look at, I know that the old saying, it hurts me more than it hurts you. I cannot, I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest with you. I think Sean, a lot of times it does hurt people when it's hurting you. But I'm going to tell you, I, I appreciate what I'm trying to do, I understand. But I'm telling you, it's not something I enjoy about. I'm not, when I walk in the house and my wife says, Shia did, I don't walk around going, yes. I think, like, why, why could you just, you know it's so simple. Why didn't you just go into what we're supposed to do and then we wouldn't have to worry about this? It's love. With that protection, you say, my parents, just, I can guarantee you, unless your parents are some weird twisted people, that they do not sit at home waiting for you, or sit at work, their desk at work, and think, I just thought, somebody at work told me that they do this with their kids, and I can't wait to see how my kids are going to respond when we put this rule in place. Man, I can't, man, I can't wait to take myself with my I'm turning the radio on sick, but I can't wait. Take that cell phone because my kid wasn't doing this. No, that's why I have to put the He went there two thumbs to be up, so. <laughs> Andrew Nick, I'm sorry, but no, I'm just kidding. But engaging in spiritual battle is an act of love. See, every teenager, despite what we like to believe, every teenager does crave that kind of love. As much as we fight boundaries in our lives, it comes down to that we really do like that. We really do want, as a teenager, you really do want my dear. This is why a girl will chase a guy to the end of the world. A guy will run around behind a girl for the rest of his high school career. But everybody wants somebody to love care about. And when we look at what the love that it takes, you know what, if you have a parent, and I think we all need to down those. If I have a parent that desires to see me walk with Christ and willing to put rules in, I, I do not care for anything. But I do appreciate my parents loving and caring me enough to understand that they don't want my life to be worthless. And I think that will resonate in life today. Like, I don't think there's any kid that will look at it and say, man, when a parent is lovingly trying to pursue do God's will for that child's life to say, but I don't, I'm going to be honest with you, I wish I could, or I don't, but ultimately, I'm on the dad. They love me and care about me. I'm willing to go with them because they love and care about me. Because that's the protection God has put up in my life. And so we look at it, every kid dreams that kind of love, being stop fighting spiritual authority and start thanking you. Stop fighting spiritual authority and start thanking I'm going to finish up with this. As we look at, from the illustration earlier of the, the good old British soldiers or American soldiers fighting, and we're looking at the spiritual warfare that's in front of you, 
Now, if my parents are going before me like the Word of God says and trying to fight a spiritual battle for me, they cannot do this. They cannot possibly turn around to fight the battle this way. Man, don't do stop. Oh, don't do that. Because when they turn around to fight this battle, they are getting killed on this front. This is why stop fighting authority and thank them. Thank you for what you supply in my life. Because you know what? We're hurting because of this. A mom and dad come home, they've been busy all day at work, trying to fight the spiritual battle. They're trying. Some of them are getting up early to pray for you and trying to do things. And they are so busy trying to fight the battle this way. Don't do this. I ask you not to do that. Please don't do that. Come on. And this way they're getting killed by everything else because they're having to fight the battle back here. Help your parents fight the spiritual battle forward. By the way, now I know we're not perfect. I know we struggle with things in our teen lives. But don't make it a fight. Don't make it a spiritual battle. Thank them. Hey, Mom and Dad, how can I get Mom and Dad, why? In a great, respectful, observant way. So, that's what we're going to finish up today. We'll pray and we'll start back where we're next week. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for your love. I thank you for the time we've had here in the class. What I should please do is our service out front before we get back to the preachers. And now the truths that we need to look at today in authority. Lord, you please. Reprogram our brain from what our culture has told us about what authority is and help us to be the authorities that we need to be in order to help us accept the authority that we need. Thank you for all that you do. Abuse. Amen.